Good morning. Welcome to Northwest Hills. Uh, if you have been with us the last couple weeks, you know that this is part of our Go Focused Month, where we take four weeks and we look at kind of um, the global church. What's out there? What are we doing as a local church to reach God's people all over the world? Last week, we had a great message. This week, we have an incredible message, which I'm going to prepare you for in a second. But I uh, just want to let you know, you're in for a treat. Um, I sat through the first service, and, and it's kind of hard, to be honest, to come this morning um, to, to sit in these seats, these nice padded seats, and to really um, understand the weight of what's being shared with us, because to be honest, it's shared very casually. Like, oh yeah, we were driving in our car, and, and these guys with machine guns were running after us, and it, it's hard to feel those problems. It's hard to understand, um, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit this morning that we would really um, feel the weight of God's glory and what he's doing in Uganda, what he's doing through Valshin. So we are in for a very, very neat treat this morning. Next week, I'll be back into First Peter, but um, the following week and the week after, we're still doing this Go Focus. We're going to be bringing up some local missionaries, some people who've grown up in this church, who are out right now and back for a little while, and some people who we as a congregation want to send out. So it's a very neat month, a great day. I'd like to welcome up our speaker for today, Dr. Valsheen. All right. Thank you, Val, for coming. I, I just have three quick questions I want to introduce her with, and then I'll get off the stage and let her do her thing. So the first thing is, how long have you been a missionary, and to what people group are you a missionary to? Okay, great. Um, well, I've been out in Uganda now for uh, about 20 years, and I've been working with the Karamajong up in the northeast corner. Wonderful. And have you been able to build relationships with mm -hmm. people? Has it been a struggle? Do you feel like it, you've gotten progress? It, it was a little struggle at the beginning, but I'm a veterinarian, and so I work with a nomadic tribe, a pastoralist tribe who love their cows, and so it's easy to become friends with them, and it's been nice to interact with them on that level and develop trust and be able to share the gospel through that. Right on. And before I ask our last question, today is kind of a special day. Uh, it happens to be Val's birthday, so <laughs> give a happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. 34. Nice. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to leave on this last question. Just mm -hmm. tell us about what's going on. Tell us about some of the latest developments. Tell us what God's doing there. Tell us what you're learning. Uh, we're so glad to hear. Thank Great. you, Val. Thank you. All right. Very good. Well, we're going to show you some good... Uh, Good pictures here of what it's like there in, in Africa. We wish you could all come and, and uh, join us out there one time. We've been getting a few good visitors out there, and a few are going to come in, I think, next month. And so it's very exciting to, to see God work through all of us together. Um, so the name of this topic is Love is Our Mission. Uh, many times in our lives we, um, we, uh, we desire to serve God, and we feel the, compul the, the compulsion to do that, but yet we don't feel... Uh, like we're qualified or do we have enough to offer. But mostly what God really needs from us is our love to shine through, to be able to reach out to people in Jesus' name and to touch them in, uh, in those hurting parts in their lives, through the hurting parts that we have in our lives. And I want to share today of how God has been doing that with us out in Uganda, uh, surrendering into God's loving arms. Um, this is uh, Gabriel Lobur. Actually, I should move over here. Sorry. It was a dark night, and uh, Gabriel had been up most of the night. And he sensed that there was something wrong in his community, and he started praying. He's a godly man, and he, he just thought, something is happening. I need to be aware of what, uh, what God is doing. Um, 
as the darkness got, got deeper and the clouds pulled over and the stars went away, suddenly he heard a cry out in a neighboring manata, meaning that there was a raid happening. The, army, the, the, the raiders were coming to steal the cows and people with machine guns had been spotted. Um, soon the, the echo began coming in all the different manatas all around. All in the different manatas calling back and forth. And Lobur started praying, God, help us, help deliver us from these, uh, from these raiders. And just about as he finished the, the prayer, the gunfire started firing all around him. Firing, firing, firing from several different locations. The raiders had come to several villages at the same time to try to cause confusion to everyone. Um, he, in their village, they didn't have any guns because they had given them all up. Um, they were Christians and they wanted to be able to uh, um, follow what the government had asked. They would given up their guns. And so he grabbed his spear, sneaking around the side of his hut. Just at that time, he saw someone push, pushing through the thorns next to his house. And with all the energy he could, he lunged at the man and stabbed him in the, in, the, in the ribs. And the man went falling down on the ground. And Gabriel was just so, all the adrenaline running in him, he began shouting at the man, Who are you? Who are you? And the man, as he's dying, as he's lying on the ground, gurgled out, I'm your son. I'm your son. I came to help you. At that moment, Gabriel could not believe that he had just stabbed his son with that spear. He tried to revive him. He tried shouting to people all around, come and help me, come and help me. And slowly the life of his son went out right there in front of him. From that moment on, Gabriel could never forgive himself. He could never allow himself to to feel close to God again. He could never allow himself to minister to anyone. It was not, he couldn't feel love anymore. He couldn't feel anything anymore. He lost his ability to serve God. Um, what I'd like to share with you today is something that God has put on my heart, to be able to, to, to move through those points of pain in our lives, those suffering times, those difficulties that we have, and to be able to continue to access God's love in our hearts, to be able to move out of the pain and the suffering that we have, and to help us to continue to minister, even to use those difficulties as means to minister to others in our lives, not to find ourselves um, losing the vision as we lose our heart. So Gabriel's uh, ministry died together with his young son. Um, but we pray that uh, even now that God will continue to deliver him and his other friends in his, in his family. So I live in Uganda, um, in the northeast corner, in a, in a community called the Karamajong. Now this is what their villages look like to protect themselves from the thieves that come. They put thorny fences all the way around. Um, but uh, people with machine guns can still try to get in like they did on that night. Now, this is my, my little house. It's the grass thatched. Um, it's, a, it's, it's just an upgrade from the mud, mud huts. It's a cement hut, and so that helps out a little bit. I don't have to smear the floor with cow manure like all the other ladies do, and so that's a little bit of relief. I can ha- they, they smear the cow manure to keep it clean and to make it look shiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, uh, here we have some of the Kermajong I work together with. Um, they love their animals, and as uh, nomads, they move, move throughout the area caring for their animals, and we're able to help them with their livestock and make friends with them that way. But there are a lot of people with machine guns around. The army has tried to disarm them, but they haven't been able to do it completely. 
and the fighting in the area uh, goes up and down, but a lot of times the people who have given up the guns are like Lobur, they're the good people in the community, and the ones remaining with the guns are the, are the people who desire to kill and to steal. The army has tried to help out, to intervene between the, the, the thieves and the cows to try to protect the cows, but they're not willing to risk their lives for the sake of someone's cow. And so often they let the cows go, which can be the whole livelihood of the people in the communities. And so the people don't have the army to protect them. They have to rearm again and find a way to go out and raid and steal their cows back again. So in the process, they usually kill someone also and it escalates the fighting again. So there's been a lot of death and a lot of suffering in the communities where we live in. And that's really a hard thing on a person's heart to live in the midst of that. There's, a, there's, there's droughts that come and famines that come. People are starving. People are dying from sicknesses and, and, and raids. Uh, even the animals are, are suffering, and as a veterinarian, it's, the, it's a challenging place to be because you can't heal every animal. You can't be able to keep them all alive, and your heart breaks for all the, the difficulties that are going on in the communities. But in the midst of that, God is also bringing hope and bringing uh, blessings to us. I have a wonderful team to work together with. Uh, this is the Clyde Consultancy team, and we... Uh, we we have about 12 members and myself, 12 Ugandans, and coming this next year, we're going to add some more Americans, and you'll hear about them uh, shortly. That's Daniel Graham and his wife and some other, others possibly also. So we use our veterinary skills to be able to reach out to the people and to, um, and to share Christ with them, as well as to help them with their, um, their livelihoods so they can be able to survive in that uh, difficult area. Uh, here we are training some of the local community members on caring for their animals. Uh, God has also blessed me with a wonderful vehicle. You guys helped me to get that. That's, that's Brutus, the landy. <laughs> Brutus loves to carry army men on the top, so uh, we're, we're on our way out to one of the peace villages. Uh, God has also blessed us with uh, great relationships in the communities, which has been wonderful. The uh, many missionaries don't get an opportunity to really go deeply into a village, but as a veterinarian, I can make friends with even the warriors who are fighting and the tribal elders, even the witch doctors, because they use herbal medicines. And I've been doing some research together with them on studying the veterinary herbal medicines. And so I can go to a community and meet together with all the witch doctors, and that's very exciting. And he's also, God's also given us opportunities for new donors in the last few years. We have the the U.S. Army now that's contributing to help us with the programs. And so they bring um, money to buy medicines and to help with the peace programs that we're doing. And so it's great to have uh, new, new uh, groups coming in to join together with us. Um, God is also blessed with uh, opportunities to um, share various different new um, alternative livelihoods with the people. We have seen that they have relied so much on the cows, and the cows are really... Um, um, causing problems because of all the raiding. And so we're trying to look for another species that can still help them to have enough protein, but doesn't get raided in the process. And so now we have turkeys. And so this is our, our turkey project that we started last, uh, last Thanksgiving, and we'll probably do some more um, this year. <laughs> so that was pretty nice for us out there that like turkeys for Thanksgiving. So uh, we'll, we'll give it another try. But the people are raising them for chicks, and they, they haven't been eating them yet. Um, we also have been looking at helping the people to um, begin gardening instead of only doing livestock because the livestock get raided and they become very poor. So we've, uh, we've been plowing hundreds of acres actually with a hoe. You just dig the hoe. You have a long line of 100 people in a line and you just start working across the fields and digging up the land. <clears throat> 
God has also blessed us with the, the in, in, increase in the peace ministry. Um, people have been, uh, um, been able to continue to turn their lives over to the Lord and be able to trust in him to um, not continue to fight, but to forgive each other and to repent of all the past things and to come back together and live as one. It's been great to see the peace program um, come up within the hearts of the local people. One amazing thing that happened when we were in the communities uh, just a few uh, months before I came back, we were teaching the people about um, some medical um, issues. We were trying to um, do some training on, uh, on child health. And there were some young men together with us, and all of a sudden, all of them jumped up and started running up to the mountain. And I thought, well, that was a quick meeting. I don't know what happened there. But uh, they, I started asking people, what happened? And they said, look up in the hills. And as you looked up on the side of the hill, there was a whole line of armed men that were going along, raiders who were going to raid on the other side. And these young guys who had been part of our peace ministry all this time decided that they would stop those raiders. And they said, this is what they always do. They, they go um, unarmed, completely unarmed, and chase after armed people and go and convince them not to fight and tell them to go back home again. And it was amazing to see them do that. And they, they, they came back later together with the armed guys, and the armed guys went back to their original place. And so it was wonderful to see God working um, to transform the hearts of the people enough that it's their program now to keep peace in the community. It's not us forcing them to do it or the military or any other cause but it's their own desire. So we've seen that it's not, a, it's not anything we can do that can bring God's glory there, but it's God himself. It's by his might and his power. Um, we've been very fortunate to get the new um, Karamajong Bible out this last year, and so that's been very exciting for the first time for have the people to be able to read a Bible. And we've been buying hundreds of them and helping the people to have it in the communities. This is the Bible translator here, Zachary. He spent 22 years of his life translating that Bible word for word from Karamajong into, I mean, from English into Karamajong. God has also been working a lot through the Jesus film. We've been showing the Jesus film in the villages, and many, many people have accepted Christ. It's in Karamajong. Most people don't read and write, and so it's hard to start off with a Bible in their lives. But if we can start with the, with a Jesus film, it really has a great impact on them. So there, even in, in one week, this was our record, 509 new people became Christians in one week. It was an exciting time to see God at work. And now we've, um, with all the new believers coming up, we started a discipleship program. And that's the first time we've ever done that in all of Karamoja. So we designed a program that would be uh, more audiovisual since they don't read and write so much yet. So we have little radios that have a... Um, chronological Bible storying on them and they also and we have a cloth that has the pictures of the different chronological Bible stories then we do dramas and songs and the people really enjoyed it it's been a, a nice thing to be able to, to spread in the communities with the non-literate uh, people leading it here's our that's our, our baptism class and so it was so exciting to see uh, the first group of people get baptized in our peace villages uh, a few months ago well, the girls came first, and then the ladies, and they were so excited to, uh, to, to be baptized and to, to demonstrate their, their commitment to Christ. The guys kind of hang out in the back, <laughs> wondering, okay, what's going to happen? You know, are they going to start acting really weird or what? So they started watching. But as the, each individual started giving their testimonies, the guys also really got touched. They could really see how God was working in the lives of the women and the uh, and and how they had uh, committed their lives to Christ and changed from even alcoholism and from drunkenness and uh, witch doctors and turned to Christ. 
that one at the end of the service, the one of the most uh, ferocious warriors in the in the in the area gave his life to Christ. That's this this man here, and he totally committed his heart uh, completely and asked God to cleanse him and to purify his his life again and let him serve and be a man of God. And he's uh, even today he's continuing on and he's a member of the discipleship classes. We were able to build a, a school this last year, too. Uh, and the people in the peace communities don't have any schools around there, and they have hundreds of kids. And so traditionally we've been supporting children um, so they can go to school, but then we decided we'd support the teachers instead. And so we hired four teachers, and now we have 100 kids. And so the kids don't have to pay for school. We only uh, pay the teachers. And so that's worked out well in these villages. Um, we use the, the school for a church on Sundays, and this is our new pastor, Pastor Caleb. He's not... A, like a trained pastor, but he's one of the new believers that raised his hand and said, I'll be pastor. And so we said, well, you look like a fine pastor. <laughs> okay, because the roads are so bad, we can't really get there um, to go and uh, lead the church very well. The, some few people can come maybe once a month, but we thought it would be nice to have somebody that's local, and uh, he was ready. And uh, his other friend, uh, Helen, also is leading the women. Here we are praying in church. So we really could use your prayers on the, on the side of uh, the church growth there, that God would uh, continue to bless them and help them to, to gain in spirituality and to study the word and to reach out to others. God has also given us a great chance to expand into other areas, um, to, to be able to bless other communities. As we've seen that the peace ministries have expanded in Uganda, we've started looking across the borders, and now there's a, just to the north of Uganda is Sudan, and South Sudan is just split off of the north so just a few months ago. And the south part is a, a strong Christian country now, and so they've invited missionaries to come in. And so this, these are the Taposa in Sudan. And so now they, they speak the same language as the Karamajong, and so we can bring our Karmajong evangelists and uh, disciple makers and, and go up and, and share with them and help them with their animals since they're also livestock keepers. So it's been great to be able to expand the ministry and step out into those, uh, into those areas, but it still is a lot of challenges along the way, but God helps us each step. Um, some of the uh, um, challenges I've had along the way have really helped me to be able to trust God in a deeper way to be able to see that I don't have to fear that God is always going to be there with me. Uh, the first, the, one of the first uh, um, difficulties I got when I was in the mission field was way back in 1986. I went as a short-termer to the Congo. And uh, at the time, I was um, um, in, uh, in undergrad and uh, interested in seeing if God could use me in the mission field. Well, it ended up I got very sick. I got anaphylactic shock, and I almost died there. And it was in, I was in the middle of the bush out there, and there was only this one um, nurse who wasn't really even very qualified, who just as I was almost passing out um, in this little house where I was staying, I was lying on this, uh, this wooden couch, and I was almost passing out and just gasping for breath. And he came in, and God, God really worked in his, life to, in, his, uh, in his mind to know what to do because these were his differentials. Either she's having a baby or... She has anaphylactic shock. <laughs> and so, so he first assumed I was having the baby. And so here I am on the couch gasping, and he's trying to spread my legs apart. I'm going, now, wait a minute. What's happening here? And so he's trying to explain to me he's going to deliver my baby. I'm like, no, no, 
no, no, no. I'm dying. I'm not having a baby. <laughs> and so somehow God zapped in his mind, and he was able to understand that I was uh, that I had anaphylactic shock, and he brought all the right medicines, and he gave them to me. I survived. And I was just amazed that God would have used someone who had really hardly any idea what was happening at all, but yet uh, could, could help me to survive in that situation. So I really saw that God, I could trust God, that God was there with me. Um, then I was in South Africa about 10 years later, and uh, I was uh, downtown on a Sunday afternoon looking at the shops there, and all of a sudden as I walked down the road, three, three guys with knives started coming at me, and I thought, oh no, i got to get out of here, and I tried to dodge them on one way or another, and in the process fell down the ground, and the guys were wrestling with me, and I'm trying to apologize to them because I, I thought they might think I was trying to hurt them, and so I'm trying to get up, and and it ended up that uh, they, they saw that I had a fanny pack on my waist, and so they were trying to gouge it off of me with their knives. And just as the guy was leaning towards me to jab his knife into my stomach and get the, back, get the bag off of me, I just shouted, Jesus, help me. And the guy looked up at me and then looked behind me, and his eyes got so big, and all the other three guys also looked behind me, and they jumped up just as my bag fell down on the ground. They left the bag there and took off as fast as they could go. I thought, what was that? I turned around, and there's a little six-year-old boy standing in the, in the doorway behind me. They thought that six-year-old boy was so menacing. <laughs> God just uh, revealed to them some huge angel, mighty angel that scared them away. And they took off and left everything there and didn't even hurt me. So I could really see that God, God uh, allowed me to survive for a reason. He has a purpose for me, and that I can trust him in all those situations. Um, God knows what I'm going through, and he has a plan for me, and he loves me, and he'll be with me. That love that I can sense from God, that's the love I really feel that he wants me to allow to flow through me to others. Um, His love encourages us to surrender ourselves into his loving and open arms. His love empowers us to walk victoriously in courage and in strength. Uh, His love wants to flow through us to other people. But sometimes that love gets blocked up when we have fears like Lobur had, or we feel guilt or shame or embarrassment, or we, we, uh, we are afraid of what might happen. That love isn't able then to flow. But God is always faithful. Even in the difficulties out there with people shooting at us, he is always faithful. Even as they shot at my vehicle several times, God was able to rescue us out of the situation and bring us into his safety. Um, even when we're together with the people in the communities, uh, many times I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't have all the skills that I need to be a missionary out there. But God brings other people with different specialties, with different um, ideas, and, uh, and the intermix of all of us together is perfect for what God wants to do. God brings people to himself. I'm not really a wonderful evangelist, but I can disciple people. I can walk together with people and show them how to follow after the Lord. And many evangelists have developed out of that amazingly. And now people are coming to the Lord all over the place in Karamoja. I've seen that really it's not the power that's within me, but it's God's grace that's enough for me. Uh, one uh, challenge that we had along the way was a, uh, I was driving along the road, and um, 
this is kind of a, an area where you go through the swamps. A huge, this actually was a big vehicle, much bigger than this one that you see here, but it was packed full of cows and it was in the road in front of us and driving along. All of a sudden, the whole vehicle got too close to the edge of the swamp and fell over sideways into the swamp. And all these cows, their horns are tied to the vehicle. And so now the cows are going underwater. And so I just prayed, God, you've got to help me here. I can't let my cows go down there. They're not really mine, but I consider all cows mine. <laughs> I'm a Karamajong. <laughs> and, so, and so I jumped out of the vehicle and started trying to rescue these animals. All the Karamajong and the local people are terrified of water, so they won't get into the water. They can't swim. So I'm the only one struggling with this whole vehicle full of cows, trying to lift their heads out and twist them around and, and pull them up to the surface. And some are drowning. You can see the bubbles coming up. And just I'm just praying, God, don't let my legs get twisted with them because some of them are struggling, trying to get up and coming up over the top of me. And, but God really, uh, really showed me that he was able to, to keep me. He was able to prevent me from having a problem. He wanted me to serve him. He wanted me to be available to him, even if it was a difficult thing. Um, not only is there difficulties physically, but definitely the spiritual warfare is the biggest thing that we fight over there. Both the spiritual warfare from outside and also from inside. Uh, Satan can try to get us from the inside to make us feel like we're not uh, qualified, that we're not good, that we're not uh, loved. And he, as well as causing problems from the outside with witchcraft and sorcery in the communities there. Um, wonderfully, uh, about uh, at least three witch doctors became Christians in the last few months out in Uganda and out in Karamoja after we had a, an outreach in the area. And so um, they brought all their witchcraft here and we were able to burn it. And it was interesting watching the people. They all stood around watching because they thought as soon as we put the witchcraft in the fire, all of us would burn also, that we would burst into flame because the, witch, the power of the witch doctors then would come at us. And so everyone's watching, watching, wanting to see the white lady burst into flames. But, uh, fortunately, I didn't burst into flames, and the power of Jesus was stronger than the power of Satan. So we were excited that um, we, the witch doctors have turned their lives to Christ. So you hear of all these challenges out there, and you wonder, now, how can someone really live in a place like that? It must be so difficult, but uh, it's really God that prepares our hearts to live and to, and to be able to serve in a place like that. He opens the door of opportunity, and His Holy Spirit can guide us and comfort us and empower us uh, with His love during that time. Without that love, we can't know Him or even to serve Him. We, we talked about that there's, a, that there's challenges sometimes allowing the love to flow through us. I think the two main ones are when we have sin in our life and when we have fear in our life. When we have sin, it causes us to be self-focused. We, we can no longer focus on other people, but we're looking at our own selves and how to uh, either overcome that sin or how to, uh, how to prevent other people from seeing that sin. It makes us look only at ourselves. Um, when we have fear, we begin developing distrust or um, we get to a distance from people, or we're afraid to be close to someone. We lose the, the desire to, to have relationship because we have fears related to maybe to past traumas, past difficulties, um, or, uh, or guilt and shame that we have over other situations from the past. Um, so sin can lead us to, into spiritual stagnation, and we're afraid to move on. We don't, we don't think that we're any good. We can't do what, we, what, what, what God would want to empower us to do, but we feel that we're not, not good enough. Um, on the side of fear, um, we become superficial more in our spirituality. We don't, uh, don't want to dig deep with people. We don't want relationships. We're afraid to get close to someone because we, had hurt, we got hurt the other time, or we have 
fears of what it will be like. And so we end up not even in our relationship with God. We don't get close to God. We're afraid to, to, to have an intimate relationship in any way. Um, when, when I see these challenges come in my life, if I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting involved in a sin or if I have a fear in my, in my life that's limiting me, I like to look to God and to see how God can transform me in that way. And I have a way of looking at it with animals since I'm a veterinarian. Um, with sin, I really feel that we need to turn to God as, as the lamb and go to him on the altar and allow that allow his blood then to cleanse us, allow ourselves to be, uh, be forgiven and uh, step towards him and not to, not to, not to fear. Um, on the side of fear itself, we can go to the lion, the king of kings, to be able to give us the strength, to give us the power to overcome the fears that we have and to, and to put our trust in him. Uh, the sin factor, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Do not love the world for everything in the world. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. So we don't want sin to reign in our lives. We need to be able to take control of it and not to allow it just to be something that seems natural for us, but to, but to recognize that it's not what God wants for our lives. Now, on the side of fear, here's some of our taste treats from Uganda. I know you, you sometimes uh, you look at this scorpion that I'm munching on there and you might think, well, that might not be the best diet to have. But, uh, <laughs> um, we can be afraid of the, uh, sometimes of entering into ministry or of entering into relationship. Um, and those fears can limit us. But as we're willing to take a step towards trying something new, actually this recipe for, for um, rat down here on the bottom is actually very good. And so we're going to have to try it with a new group that's going out shortly. It's, it's one of the best meats that I've ever had. So we'll, it was quite tasty. I think there's a, some kind of McCormick's kind of spice there. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then the eel head, of course, is here. Eel head for whoever prefers the head versus the tail. Mm -hmm. um, we can always fear relationships um, especially cross-cultural. That's always a challenge. And to pray that God will allow us to have the, the, the love to flow out to the people that are from different cultures. And to do that, we need to make sure that the love is coming in in order to it can flow out. Sometimes we don't, uh, we, we don't want love to flow out. We can be, we can, we can be hurt. Um, this young man, James, uh, was a very good friend of mine. He, used to, he brought little pigeons over me, for me to keep one time. And then some, uh, some chameleons. And then he would hunt for the grasshoppers to feed all these little pets that he gave me. And then I'd have to pay him for those things. So maybe it was an income-generating project for him anyway. And so, but he was a great little guy. He came to visit me all the time. And I would, uh, he eventually got saved. And we would talk, read the Bible together. And a very good, a very good friend. Unfortunately, one time I had to go up to Kenya, or I mean up to Sudan, to have a project, um, to do a project up there with another church. And while I was gone, he got sick, and he doesn't have any parents. He has one a neighbor that tried to help him, but they didn't have enough money. He got so sick, and he passed away while I was gone. I got back, and I couldn't believe it. I wished I had left money behind for him. I wished I had done something different. Why, did I, why didn't I put him on, medi on pre preventative medicines? And I just felt so bad that he had passed away. And in, at, that, at that point in, in time, it started running through my mind, well, I, I don't think I want to make a friend like that again. That was so hard. 
And I realized that was not God talking at that point. That was Satan trying to discourage me, trying to put that fear in my heart that you don't want to love again. It was too difficult. It was too painful. It, it was too hard to do that. And I realized that I should not, I can't back away from people just because I've been hurt. I have to allow God's love to be even more in me so that I can flow even more freely and not allow those, those fears and those hurts to take over. We often live in a world of fear rather than of love. Um, but we can put ourselves into the hands of our awesome God, just like Mary, Esther, and Shadrach have in these uh, quotations here. Mary said, let it be to me as you have said. Esther says, I will go, and if I perish, I perish. And Shadrach, the God we serve is able to save, but even if he does not, we will not serve your gods. In the hands of God, we are invincible. If we, if, we, if we don't allow God's love to flow through us, though, we're going to run out really soon. We don't have the energy. We don't have the power to do it without God. We need to be surrendered to him and willing to trust God to our core. Uh, trusting on Golgotha's peak. Not my will, but yours be done. Um, Two things about trusting God. Is he able to help us? Is he willing to help us? Is he powerful? And does he really love me? We, we, we sing this song when we're little kids. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, the Bible does tell us so, but that's not sufficient love to just recognize in your mind that the Bible tells me God loves me, so he must love me. That doesn't go deep into our heart. We really need to know the depth of God's love deep inside of us and not to have it a superficiality like, oh, yeah, I know God loves me, but to really encounter God, to allow his love to encounter us in our hearts. We need to experience his power, experience his amazing wisdom and his unbridled love. Um, I illustrate that in my own heart through... um, through the lion and the lamb, how God shows us his love through the lion, who is the, who is the king of kings, the power of God, and the lamb, who is the sacrifice of God, who is the mercy of God. The lamb is on the altar. It's a sacrifice for our sins, vulnerable and tender, merciful and forgiving. He's willing. If we participate um, and allow ourselves to be part of Part, allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. This becomes our surrender as we surrender ourselves as the lamb does. Um, as the lion is on the throne, he's the source of our courage, the strength and power. He rules and is able. He is our victory. So we can allow both a lion and lamb to work in our lives, to allow us to, to overcome the fears that are there and to allow the lamb to cleanse ourselves of those the sins that have been there and to accept the forgiveness that Jesus has for us. Now, one day the lion and the lamb will lay down together, uniting mercy and justice, grace and righteousness, weakness and strength. Well, I didn't have a lion and a lamb and I couldn't get them to cooperate. So, so the poodle and the monkey will also lie down together. <laughs> and so that's as far as we could get. Uh-huh. I'll work on the lion and the lamb. <laughs> Um, trust requires a deeper level of intimacy, knowing him and being known. But how do we do that? 
um, God desires spiritual intimacy with us. He wants to, um, um, he wants his love to empower us. He wants his love to blow away the fear and make trust possible, to allow vulnerability and to, and to allow us to risk and to change. Once we are engulfed in his love, it makes sin to be stupid in our lives. We would have no reason to sin because we know God and we know what would please him. Um, uh, the, the, his love can transform us from self-absorption to self-abandonment as we abandon ourselves into his arms. Um, his love will improve our spiritual health and his endurance as we spend that intimate time together with him. And it frees us to serve the Lord. Um, as we allow love to overcome the sin inside of us, we can deepen our love for God. We change the focus from the struggle against sin to focus on a relationship with Jesus. Too often we try to struggle to, to be perfect or to be righteous or to do the right thing, but we don't have a motivation for it because we don't know God's love and our, his love is not flowing through us. We're focusing more on the externals, on being good, on, on looking good rather than actually having our heart to be good having our heart to flow through with God's love. Open yourself to spiritual intimacy. Seek to know, love, worship, and adore him. We sin because we have not allowed him to engulf us with his love. When we love someone, we long to do what would please him, craving for his approval and the twinkle in his eye. We easily surrender all other desires to be pleasing to the one we love. God desires spiritual closeness to communicate his acceptance and strength. The kingdom of God begins with his unbridled love. It is a place of abiding. It is the true rest. It is the arms of grace. Deepening your love relationship with the Lord. He wants to communicate with us, just like people communicate with us, in honesty and vulnerability. He wants quality time. He wants us to dwell in his presence. That's when the empowerment of his love can come through. Uh, he wants simple acts of love done to others as a worship to him, walking in trust and courage and claiming your victory over fear. So I have a kind of a way that I do this. So you come into my little hut with me and I'll explain. Now, and every evening, you know, the sun goes down about 7 o'clock, 6.37. And when it's dark in Karamoja, everyone has to be inside because there's people with guns roaming around, and so you don't want to be roaming outside with those people. And so everyone goes into their huts. And so that's my time with God. God has given me from 8 o'clock till midnight or whenever I want to stay up just to be with him. And that's the only way that I survive out there is being able to have that intimate time with God in the evening times. Um, it's a place for me to surrender, surrender both sins that are coming in my life and fears that I have, a time to experience his love and his power and a place to learn to love. Um, okay, so I have my hut like this, and uh, in the middle of it, there's a, there's a, a curtain, because um, the, the dining room is here, and then the kitchen is there, and then the bedroom is back behind the curtain. And bedroom meaning, I mean, this is a little thing like this. So anyway, the curtain is like this, and then we have a lot of mosquitoes, and so there's a mosquito net behind that and so when I in the evening all the mosquitoes come out and so I need to go in the mosquito net but I use it as a time of worship to be together with God so when I pass through this this curtain here I consider it entering into the holy of holies I take time actually before I get into my little mosquito net there 
just to pray and to seek God and to recognize um, that I need to come to him. I need to be able to enter in uh, through, what I, what, through what I call the lamb and the lion, to be able to allow God to cleanse me of the sins that I have, to be able to purify my heart and be able to commune with him. So I walk to the altar to see the lamb, and I take time at that altar to review my heart and to look at anything in my life that's gone in a difficult way and to, and to repent and to help um, purify my, my heart from any impurity that might be there. And then I go into the mosquito net, which I let, it's like the holy of holies for me, a time to be intimate with God and just to go to his throne and to be together with him. And as the king of kings, the amazing thing that I like about this is he's not removed from us. When I go into that throne room with him, I just crawl up on his lap on that throne. You know, God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to stay distant from him. He has all the power in the world. He wants us to be held in his powerful arms, and he wants to care for us and take care of us. And when it's time, he won't, he'll, he'll give me the nod to rise and, and, and move and, and be empowered to do the work that he wants. But he also wants me to rest in his arms and take time together with him. Um, just like just like John, you know, at the at the um, at the Last Supper, after his feet were washed by the Lord, John, the one Jesus loved, laid back against him. That's what God wants you to do too. God wants you also to relax together with Him. You are also the one that Jesus loves, just like John was the one Jesus loves. He's opening up Himself to you. You are invited to be by his side, just like John. In the midst of your anxiety, he wants you to come near to him. John was terrified also. He came and leaned against Jesus. You can lean against him. You can hear the heartbeat of the lion. You can hear his deep purr and his powerful roar. That's the power of God. He wants us to be near to him. Arise, Jesus awaits. He whispers to you, come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. Enter a place of closeness and intimacy. Look up at him. Look him in the eye. See his joyous passion for your life. He's holding out his arms to you. The lover of your soul longs to draw near to you. Leap like a gazelle. Hold nothing back, nothing to hide, but only... To meet his desires for you. Who could refuse the whisper of your beloved? Come away with me. As the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God's love wants to set us free to serve. He has so many potentials for us. He doesn't want us to serve out of a sacrifice or out of responsibility or obligation or guilt or shame. He wants us to serve out of the love that can flow through us. He wants us to surrender to him and, and let that love um, move in our lives. When you... We see that the love of Christ can be the thing that compels us. Nothing else needs to compel us but God's love. 
So God is compelling us right now for the, for the next step on the way. Um, we've been in a challenging place there in Uganda. There's been uh, a lot of difficulties, but the Holy Spirit is really moving right now. And we see people within the culture taking a hold of, of God's, God's word and spreading out. And so we're seeing our opportunity to move farther. We're looking at Turkana in Kenya. They are the neighbors to the Karamajong, and they also speak the same language. But they're a much, much more violent group. This is the mountain that goes, you climb over it to go from Karamojong, from Karamoja down descending the mountain, big, huge boulders, this huge, big, rocky road down to the Turkana. So we went there to visit. Lots of cows everywhere around, but also lots of guns. And so as we descended down the mountain, all these people with guns started to gather around us. We couldn't go very fast, and more people with guns and more people with cows started surrounding us as we went down the mountain. And we stopped down at a little village down there. Even the women started coming and shouting at us. They didn't trust us. They thought we were coming to steal animals. They were just so afraid of whatever we were going to do there. They started shouting, and more and more people with guns started encircling us. Finally, the elders called a meeting and made everybody sit down. But meanwhile, the people with guns stayed all around us, circling around us, watching to see what we were going to do. And so we stood up and started sharing with them, trying to explain that we were there to show them God's love, that we wanted to help them with their animals. But even as we explained, the people were arguing, they were discussing, they were trying to find some way to get, uh, to, to get us out of the area. Well, let's see, we skipped this one. Um, but we, I could see that God really was working in that, in that point in time. I just took time to be able to, um, to just go before his, his, uh, his altar and his throne and allow God to work through me. Was there anything I had done wrong? Was there anything that I had done that uh, would keep me from, from uh, the blessings that God had? And then also to look at where were my fears? Was I getting afraid of all these things? Was, God, um, was, was God's power being diminished by what I was doing? But I, I, I had to stop at both the altar and the throne at that point, just like I did in the evenings alone, and to ask God to, to cleanse my heart and to help me to, to speak to them in a good way. And God was able to, to allow me to speak in a way that they could understand, the way that they could see his love for them. And in the end, this man, Logiri, stood up and said, these people are really actually from God. They came here for a reason, and we don't need to hurt them. And so he rescued us from this mob of people that was trying to, trying to come against us. We later saw all the, um, the, the, um, the marks of the Uganda animals on all the, on, on all the animals that were there. They had been stolen from Uganda, and they thought we were trying to take them back again. Uh, so we ended up going and treating the animals for Logiri and got to know him, and now he's invited us to come back. And so that's the next step next time. To go back and visit them again, and we pray that God will continue to give us the, the strength. So be praying with us as we journey out there. So I'd like to invite you also to create your own spiritual hermitage, like my little, uh, my little hut there, to look at what, how you in your own life can find a place of intimacy with God, a place where you can allow his love to flow in, so that when those doubts and those fears and those difficulties come, you'll have the energy, the strength to endure and to move forward. To have a place to enter into the Holy of Holies. To interact with the lamb at the altar. And even the lion on his throne. And then to arise and sing with him. Thanks so much. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm.
Thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Val. Um, I'm going to pray for Dr. Val. And could we also have the Timothy team stand up? Um, there should be about five or six people in the back. Um, they're going to be partnering with Dr. Val later this year, going out there and assisting with that. So I'm going to pray for kind of all of you at once. So um, at, could we as a congregation also stand up together, kind of in unity here, uh, blessing Val and the worship team is going to come on up. Let's bow our heads. Lord, you are a glorious God. We, we thank you that you care about every single thing in our lives. Lord, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. And many times here in the United, in the United States, we don't feel weak. But we, we read stories like this where, where Val very often is helpless. But through your power, Lord, you are shown to be great. You are shown to, to care about your people. We thank you so much for, for Val's willingness to give 20 years, her whole life, to serve you. Lord, I pray that you would raise up more people this morning more people from this church that would, that would raise up, that would leave, that would go out to all the corners of the world and to share the good news of your gospel. Jesus, it's, it's because of you, it's because of your cross that we have hope for anything. So we thank you for that. Thank you so much, Dr. Val. We love you. In your name, we pray. Amen.